Yeah, so uh, as I was saying today, I'm going to be introducing a new topic uh, which we, we are going to be looking at this month or so. And this is being scattered servants uh, at the workplace. Now, when I was thinking about this, um, I thought of many stories <clears throat> of how or people who have been used by God as scattered servants in their workplace. But then it struck me that I can be quick to say that I want to be used by God to be a scattered servant at a workplace. But how can I go about that? How can I go about being that scattered servant to be used by God at the workplace? So instead of sharing a story, uh, my heart was struck to speak today about how we can live for the glory of God. So I'm going to be speaking about living for the glory of God, which will enable me and you to become that scattered servant that God wants us to be. Now, I'm being guided today by two texts. One is from Romans 11:36. The words are there on the screen. It says, for everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power and everything is for his glory. To him be glory evermore. The next text comes from Colossians 1.16, which says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Father, I thank you for your word that is available to us. Thank you, Father, that you reveal yourself, Lord, through this word. Give us ears to hear and hearts that are open to what you are speaking to us this day. For the glory of your Son. Amen. Now, I grew up in the village in Africa, in Kenya. Now, while I was a little boy, I was living in a deep, deep village. I was born in the 80s. Now, while that might be such modern times for the Western world, back in my village in Kenya, it wasn't modern at all. So as I was growing up, you would wait in the morning, and very early in the morning, you will hear a rooster crow in the mountains. And that rooster will be answered by another one in another mountain. And another one in the valley. And another one on the plains. Now that was your wake up call. I knew that it is time to wake up. Now by just the rooster crowing, is, it, is that the right word? By just the rooster crowing, you, you would realize what time it is. Without even look. I didn't even have a watch. But you would know, when it crosses at first, you know probably it's 4 a.m. When it cr crosses again, it's 5, because it used to do every interval, every hour. <laughs> and everybody in the village used to wake up at their time just by listening to the rooster. Now, by 6 a.m., all outside was filled with noises of birds singing in the trees. Now, the moment bird starts to sing, you know it is approaching 6 a.m. So if you are not yet awake, you really need to get up. 
Now, if you feel like, oh, I'm just going to still continue lying in, by 7 a.m., all of the cow and the sheep and the goats, they are just making noises in their sheds. And then you know, I really, really have to get up. Now, thinking about all these things, the birds and the animals, they were all displaying the glory of God. They were doing what their purpose was, and that is to give glory to God. They were, give, they are, they were enabling themselves to complete the duty that God gave them, and that is to let you know that it's time for you to get up. Now, we see the glory of God everywhere. Everywhere we walk, everything we see is as a result of the glory of God. But so many a times we don't recognize it. We don't see it as in the eyes of God. But God has created us for his glory and his purposes. Now there was a time or so many a times, you know, a visitor will pop in just unannounced. Because that is the African way. We don't call to say, I'm coming. You just drop by. And then mom will gather all her chicken by just calling them and she will point that one. And then all the children will run and run and chase the chicken around and catch it. And there is a lot of excitement as you slaughter the chicken and enjoy it for dinner. I know it's horrible, but this is fun for me. I love it. (laughs) Realizing that that chicken has just completed God's purpose for its life. And that is to be a meal for the family. Now, if you look at everything and look at it in that sight, you realize that each and everything that God created, he created it for a reason. He created it for a purpose. And the greatest achievement you can ever have in your life is for you to fulfill the purpose of which God created you. Animals do it. Plants do it. But the question is, the most precious creation that God created, that is you and me. Are you going to live and fulfill that purpose that God created you for? So the glory of God is his nature. It is the essence of who he is. It is the splendor of his glory. It is the power, the atmosphere, the presence. And it's, it's expressed through his goodness. The glory of God is everywhere. It's revealed in the Bible. The glory of God is revealed through fires, through smoke, through a cloud, through a brilliant light. And more so, it is revealed to us through Jesus. And now, the Lord Jesus reveals the glory of God through his church. This morning, we have just had brilliant testimonies. People announcing and revealing the glory of God, displayed through our giftings, displayed through being scattered servants as we serve the community. Now, in the Bible, throughout the Bible, we are commanded to glorify God. But at the same time, we are also commanded to delight in the Lord. Now, how can the two go hand in hand? We are commanded 
to recognize his glory, to honor his glory, to declare his glory, to praise his glory, to reflect on his glory, and to live for his glory. Why? Because our God is worthy. He is worthy to receive all our glory and all our praise. Now, all creation gives God glory except two. One is Satan and the fallen angels who said they want to be equal with God. And God dropped them from his glory. The second one, human beings. We still struggle giving God glory. We don't do it willingly. We don't do it all the time as we were created to. We find it a struggle to do that. Why? Because as Romans says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thank God for Jesus. He came so that we might be ignited back with the glory of God. In John, he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Jesus praying to God says that he has brought him glory by finishing the work that God assigned him to do. And that is the same way you and I can give God glory by completing the work that he has given you and I to do. Because when we, when everything in creation fulfills its purpose, it brings God the glory. So I want, us, I want to look at how can I do this? How can I bring God the glory so that I can fulfill the purpose that he created me to do? I want to suggest to you four ways this morning. Number one, we need to be available. Availability is so important if we are to bring God the glory. You have to start by saying, yes, here I am God, use me for your purposes. When God asked the question in heaven, who shall we send? Jesus had to rise up and say, I will go. I will be sent. I am available. Use me. When, Elijah, when, Elijah, when, when Isaiah saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died, he made it very clear to the Lord, here I am. Send me. And God used Isaiah mightily in doing his work. Because he was available. And we see that trend in the Bible. When the angel came to Mary and told Mary, you are going to conceive. Mary said, I am available for you to be used. For me to be used by you. Paul said the same, I am available. And God used Paul mightily in doing the work. So Jesus is calling us to be available. When we are available, we also need to be obedient. Now, Bill Hybel says, partial obedience is disobedience. If you are obedient 95% of the time, and you are 5% disobedient, then you fall short, because you fall 5% short. So, obedience should be fully obedience to God. What he is telling you. Jesus tells the, a, a story about a parable of two sons. One who the dad told, you go to the farm and do some work. And the son said, no, I'm not going to go. And another one said, I'm going to go. But then he didn't go. And the one that says, I'm not going to go, he ended up going. 
And the reality is that we need to be willing to go. Because if you are not ready and available to be used by God, you are running with the business of your life, then you are going to miss that chance that God has given you to minister to someone. I once told a story about when I was at work just on a Friday afternoon running, running very quickly from the office, then someone popped up and they wanted to, me to help them with something. And I was like, oh, I need to go in my head, I need to go. And they started to make some small talk. I'm not really interested because I'm so busy, I want to go. And then they asked me a question, what are you going to be doing this weekend? I was like, oh, I don't know, nothing, probably sleep or, you know, whatever. And then the lady said, oh, me, I'll be going to church on Sunday. (laughs) And I thought, boom. I never even thought about that because I was so busy. Here, I had a chance to minister to someone that God had just brought in front of me. And I just got lost in my business that I missed chance. So by fumbling and coming back, oh, I'm also a Christian, I go to church, I've already lost it. So you and I need to be ready and available to be used by God. The next thing we need to do is worship. Worship is our first responsibility to God. I have this quote that I really like. Peter, this is on the slides. It says, in commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. God wants our worship to be motivated by love, thanksgiving, and delight, not duty. That is C.S. Lewis. So he talks about three things, love, thanksgiving, or glory, and delight. We need to love God and show that love to us. Why do we need to love God? Because he first loved us. And gave himself for the sake of us. He predestined us to do good work. He tells us in Jeremiah that he knows the plans that he has for us. Plans to prosper us and give us a future and a hope. Now sometimes you can look at your life and you wonder, where is it going? I'm not kind of going in the right direction that I desire to. But I want to tell you that way before the universe was created, God knew you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. And you need to love him because he knows what he's going to do with your life. We need to thank him daily. We need to give glory to his name. Why? Because of all the things that he has done. All our lives are just full of great miracles that he has done in our lives. Kyla has been testifying this morning. She's going through some Tough times, but she has peace and she can't explain it. That is God in our lives. We need to give him that thanks. We need to delight in him. Now, how can we delight in him? We need to delight in him by being people of joyful hearts. Christians should not be miserable people. Christians should be the most happy people walking this planet. Why? Because we have a hope In Jesus Christ. Because even if there are trials and temptations in this life, you can always look forward to a better thing coming in the future. And so even regardless of what we are going through, we need to be people who are walking with smiles on our faces. 
when we sing and we praise and we minister to each other, we need to do so with a delight, a delightful heart. You need to speak to people and they say, why are you happy? Or they end up asking you, how are you doing? Then you explain to them, oh, I'm doing like this and this. I'm going through this. And they ask you, then why are you so happy regardless of what you are going through? And that will be an opportunity for you to tell them, my joy is as a result of Jesus Christ. Then it will give you an opportunity to share the word of God. But if you are gloomy and, and with the tears and crying and, you know, sulking, and then someone asks you, how are you doing? And you tell them what you are going through. You are not going to give God the honor because you are just as them who don't know God. But if you have that joy and they see that joy in you, regardless of what you are going through, then they will know, wow, there is something about you that I need to have a part of. Uh, I like this one by John Piper who kind of says the same thing, which he says, God is most glorified. Peter, that is also on the slide. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is more glorified in us. When we are satisfied in him, then he is glorified. I want to break this down a little bit for you. This is for all men. You do, go home, do this test. Most of you have and you will find the same results. I can guarantee you that. If I would tell my wife, I go to my wife and I tell my wife, darling, I want to take you out. I just want to go and treat you today. Take you out to a nice restaurant, buy you a nice meal, and just enjoy with you. Because seeing you happy makes me so, so happy. I want to guarantee you all men, there is no woman on earth who will turn around and tell me, and tell you, you are such a mean person. You, get, you want to get satisfied by taking me out. That is so mean. There is no woman on the planet who will tell you that. Why? Because they know that if they are satisfied, then you are satisfied. So your satisfaction, it is in her. By satisfying her, you are satisfying yourself. And that is with our Lord Jesus. If we aim to satisfy him, if we aim to give him glory, if we aim to give him praise, then in the end, we get satisfied. Because he fills us up. And that is why worship should be our lifestyle. Worship is way more than just singing songs and praying and praising. It is what we do on a daily basis. How we carry out our lives. How we raise our children. How we speak to our co-workers. It is something that we do on a daily basis. It is not for your benefit. When you come in the presence of God and then you don't get that feeling that you are looking for. You, you, you are not like 
made happy. Maybe the song that they sang was not exciting enough for you. Or maybe it was so boring for you. Or maybe the text that someone read, it was boring for you. And you live thinking that I was not satisfied. Realize it is not about your satisfaction. It is the satisf- to the satisfaction of your Lord and Savior Jesus. Because if you seek your own satisfaction, then that is not worship. Worship should be sacrificial. So you should be listening when the song is being sung. You should be listening. What are these words saying about my Savior? Even if the rhythm and the tune is not right. But what are those words declaring and announcing? It is not for you. It is for him. As Timothy puts it this way. All scripture are God breathed. And they are for teaching, for encouraging, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. There is something about that text, that song, that word. That God wants you to learn from it. So if you pick and choose and say, I want this to satisfy me, or I like songs that go this way, or I like prayers that go this way, you are making it about you. And it shouldn't be about you. It should be about God. Because God laments in Isaiah saying that people are giving him lip service, but their hearts are far away from him. And he laments to these people. We do not want to be such people that God will lament that we are giving him lip service. John preached a a, a text about serving God in spirit and in truth. We need to be people that will serve God full with full of our hearts in the spirit. So that our prayers can be directed to him. Now, if you want to know the truth of this. That example I gave with my wife, about my wife. Now, when we go to the restaurant, my wife will order a meal. And I will order a meal. And then we'll start eating and chatting and just enjoying it. 30 minutes or so later, I'll have cleared my plate. My wife, she'll say she's full. But her plate will still have some food on. And then she'll ask me, darling, do you want to eat this? And I say, of course, yes. <laughs> so by, by satisfying her, by wanting to get my satisfaction in her, I end up benefiting. Because I have my meal and I also do what? Have hers. So if you seek that satisfaction in Jesus, you get a double portion of the blessing. Because he blesses you and he blesses you even more. So we should go for that double portion by wanting to satisfy him and then in the end we will be satisfied even to a greater degree. Worship should be your life. God is real no matter how much you feel. We should continually worship. The Bible tells us we should worship him from sunset to sun, to, from sunrise to sunset. How? By transforming every activity that we have as an act of worship. We are told to praise him in spite of pain. To thank him in trial. To trust when tempted. To surrender while suffering. To love him when he seems distant. 
Corinthians puts it this way, First Corinthians 10. Whatever we do, we eat, we drink, we should do it as unto the Lord. Everything that we do, it should be about Jesus. We should eat and drink and not make others to stumble. Because so many of them are watching us. What are we doing? They know you are a Christian at your workplace. Your neighbor knows you are a Christian. They are watching you. Some of them are watching you, wanting to have an opportunity to accuse you. You are a Christian. How are you behaving this way? So your conduct should be conduct that will have the grace of God in it. Conduct that will be beyond reproach, even as you go forth to be a scattered servant. The message paraphrases these words as saying, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Place everything that you have before God as an offering. And then worship him. But in, even in, as you worship God, realize that there will be a test in worship. Philip Yance says this words. These are on the slides also, Peter. Any relationship involves times of closeness and times of distance. And in relationship with God, no matter how intimate the pendulum will swing from one side to another, that's when worship gets difficult. There will be times when the relationship is tough. There is times of joy and happiness in worship. But there will be times also where God will keep quiet. A few years ago, 20, I'm going to get this wrong and I'm going to be in trouble. Think 2011, I think. I made a phone call to a lady somewhere in the world that I really, I heard about her and I said, I'm going to give her a call. And I gave her a call. And speaking to that lady, my heart just melted. I just knew she's the one. I was so joyful just speaking to her. And I said, wow, I have to speak to her again. So I called again and again and again and again. And we started developing this relationship, just speaking to each other. We started texting each other. We started missing each other. And we ended up saying we love each other. A couple of months later, I traveled to Uganda to meet this lady. I can remember that day I met this lady. I can remember exactly what she was wearing. I can remember how she was smelling when I hugged her. I can remember clearly how she looked at me when our eyes met. I can remember when she touched my hand. I was just so much in love with her. Four months later, I was back in Uganda 
marrying this woman who is now my wife. <laughs> but there was that distance. There was that distance because I was in the UK, she was in Uganda. So we kept communicating. I would take my flight and go and see her for a couple of days and come back. I was just having a great time, just enjoying spending time with this woman. Now what I was doing is I was abiding in the love of this woman. I was enjoying her presence. I was enjoying her love. Now that is how we need to be with our Lord Jesus. We need to make that communication every day. We need to enjoy that presence every day. We need to cherish those moments that we sit down in our quiet moment to pray, to meditate. We need to cherish like a relationship. We need to cherish that. But you have to realize that there will be moments where you will feel the relationship is not there. There were times with my wife I would text her expecting to get an instant reply and then I find nothing. And then the waiting starts. And then the doubt starts. What happened to her? Does she still love me? Is she still there? Has something happened to her? Now all of this is going into your head because there is that breakdown in that communication. Now sometimes, or some of us even at the moment, are like that with God. You are trying to connect with God, but you can't. You are trying to pray for stuff, and you can't hear God answering you. You are trying to reach out to him, but he's far away, he can't be reached. And you wonder, is he really there? I want to tell you, our God is omnipresent. He is always there. Even though my wife could not answer my text. But she was there. She was there. At some point she will get that text and say, Okay, I forgot my phone at home. Or I was so busy, I didn't even have a minute to look at my phone. She was always there. She is still my wife. And same as God. Better than my wife. God is there for us. He is omnipresent. So whether you are calling on him and you can't hear him at all, whether you are in that dark place and you are calling his name and you can't know where he is, I want to assure you that he is there. So don't give up on the worship. Continue worshiping him. Continue trusting him. Continue believing in him because he will come through. We know a story in the Bible of Job. Job who was a faithful and honorable man before God. And in an instant, Job lost everything. All his flock, all his children, everything that he ever owned. And he wondered, what have I done? And he lamented before God, lamenting day and night. God, hear me, where are you? And God kept quiet. And Job cried out day after day. 37 chapters, Job crying out, but God is nowhere to be seen on the scene. And by the end of 37 chapters, Job throws his hands in the air and says, God, naked I came to this, this world, and naked I return. You gave me, and you have taken away. 
Glory be to the name of the Lord. And he fell down and worshipped. Now that is worship. When you reach that end and you still lift up your hands and say glory to God, that is worship. And that is the worship that God desires us to have. Not to look at circumstances and situation and measure God's love for us by what he has given us or what he has done for us in terms of material things. But to look at what Christ has done for us on the cross and realize that that love is enough. That love is sufficient. God is real. And we need to abide in him. So will you continue to love, trust, obey and worship even when you have no sense of his presence or visible evidence of his work in your life? That's a question. I'm going to just leave with you. When we worship, we shouldn't be seeking experience. But we should be seeking the presence of God. Because God has this massive picture in our lives that you don't even know. You can't even imagine it. It is like those who have watched Slumdog Millionaire, it is like those little boys in the slums Playing in the mud. That is where sometimes we are. Like little boys in the slums. Playing in the mud. But God, what he's thinking about us. It's like being on Virgin Islands. At Richard Branson's mansion. On the beach. So sometimes we cocoon our mind in the slums in the mud. Not realizing that God has this wide picture for us. So open your minds and see God for who he is. Get your minds off that slummy kind of attitude. And look at the big picture of what God is doing in your life. So that is worship. We bring, we bring God glory also by serving others with our gifts. Jesus tells us to be good stewards of what he has given to us. Now, each one of us was wired and made uniquely by God. There is no one like you in the whole universe. You are specially made. And God has given you abilities and gifts, not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. And you need to use those gifts to bring glory to God. So, in doing so, you share God's creation. God has created all this. When he created all this, he told Adam, you take care of all this. And you take care of that by exercising those gifts that God has given to you. Also, you have to desire more gifts. You shouldn't just be content in the gifts that God has given you. Because a gift is a gift. It can be given or taken away sometimes. So you need to desire God for more gifts. If you see a gift that you desire, maybe you've seen someone playing a music instrument and you, you desire, oh, I wish I would pray. Desire that gift. Pray to God and he will give it to you. If you see someone moving in the gifts of prophecy, desire that gift. It's a good gift. 
ask God, Lord, I also want part of that. This morning, it was so great seeing Kate playing the guitar. It's long since we saw Kate playing the guitar. But just seeing her, you know, rubbing that wire, it was so great. I was seeing Kate, she was enjoying that. And all of us, we were enjoying that. Why? Because she's using that gift to honor God. And we are all being honored as a result of her gift. So whatever gift that you have, that God has given you, use that to the honor of God and others will benefit as a result of that. There is help for us. We are not alone. I saw this cartoon. Peter, this is on the slide. I saw that cartoon for those who can see. Sometimes we can be so occupied there is help available to us. We want to just, you know, go on doing the hard work, pushing it so hard. Yet there is an easy way. God has the tools that can empower us to carry the heavy loads that we have to make them easy because he says, my burden is light. But most of the time we find ourselves really pushing hard, saying, oh, I I don't want any help. I'm going to just continue pushing. And God's telling you, what are you doing? They are simple tools that you can use that will help you in doing what I have desired you to do. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you in exercising those gifts. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to walk in those gifts. Sometimes all it needs is stepping up. We all have those gifts. But stepping up can be such a drag at times. Fear can grip us and we feel I can never do that. But I want to tell you, if you make that point and say, I'm going to step up and speak to my boss. I'm going to step up and speak to my colleague at work. You know, those people expect you to speak to them anyway. Sometimes they they expect that you have answers to the things that are troubling them. And when you come to them and speak to them, it is no surprise to them at all. We have a tendency as Christians, you know, you you, you talk to someone who has a problem and you listen to them. And then you say, I'm going to pray for you. And then you leave them. And then you walk away. And then you don't pray. You know, God has given you that gift to pray for that person. By that person coming to you, God is giving you the grace to say, I'm going to pray for you. That is what they are expecting. But when you walk away, you are not fulfilling the purpose of which God gave you this life. So after being obedient, after worship, after sharing and serving, We give glory to God by telling others about him. In our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, we need to keep telling people about Jesus. Colin, one one day he, he, he told us in a prayer meeting, it is good news that we are sharing. 
you know, we were debating on how sometimes it is difficult to share the gospel. And Colin reminded us and told us, by the way, it is good news that we are sharing. It should be news that should make us burn with a desire that everyone must know this news. That is what God has put us, to be scattered servants, to be disciples, to be ambassadors for him. So we should have that zeal, that desire to share that gospel. It's not a secret. It is not for your own benefit. But it is for the benefit of others. And sometimes we can cocoon ourselves saying that I cannot do it. Yet we can. I have this other picture of the elephant. I don't know how many of you have heard the story of the elephant. I'm just going to read you the story of the elephant. A man was passing the elephants. He suddenly stopped, confused by the fact that these huge creatures were being held by only a small rope tied to the front leg. No chains, no cages. It was obvious the elephant could at any time break away from their bones, but for some reason they did not. He saw a trainer nearby and asked why these animals just stood there and made no attempt to get away. Well, the trainer said, when they are very young and much smaller, we use the same size rope to tie them. And at that age, it's enough to hold them. As they grow up, they are conditioned to believe they cannot break away. They believe the rope can still hold them. So they never try to break free. The man was amazed. These animals could at any time break free from their bones. But because they believed they couldn't, they were stuck right where they were. Like elephants. How many of us go through life hanging on to a belief that we cannot do something simply because we fail it once before? That's a really good story. Because all of us are ambassadors for Jesus. All of us are scattered servants. But in most of our life, we go through life realize, thinking in our hearts that I can never do that. We look at someone, we write them off completely. We say, probably if Rainhead Bonke came, he can preach to that person and they can repent. Or we see a sick person in the community and we say, hmm, probably if some great preacher from America came who does miracles, you know, that person can be healed. We do not realize that the power of Christ that is in us, like that elephant, we are holding ourselves back, never realizing that when Christ ordained you, he ordained you to be a minister. He ordained you to go and pray for the sick. He ordained you to go and share his gospel. And we hold back because of our own fears. I want to tell you this morning, break away from those fears. You are much more than what you think yourself. Because Christ is in you. So what will you live for? Is the question this morning. 
living the rest of your life for the glory of Jesus will need you to make some changes. Will need you to reshape your priorities in life. Will need your relationship and everything else to change. You need to choose the right path. It might not be the easy path, but you need to choose the right path. Jesus struggled with this same question. At the garden of Gethsemane, as he was praying, he said, Now my soul is troubled. What can I say? Father, save me from this hour. No. It was for this reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And that is the prayer we need to make day by day. Even when we face difficult times that just wants us to flee and go. We need to realize that we were made for this purpose. We were made for God's glory. We were made for God's delight. And we need to step up and choose even the hard decision. Because following Christ is not an easy decision. We need to choose right from this moment. Jesus had a choice. To sit back, live a comfortable life, and not go through with the cross. But he chose the difficult path that has brought us life, that has brought us redemption, that has given us his spirit to empower us in walking with him every day and giving him glory. So if you are here this morning, you are wondering, how can I go from here? The first thing you need to do is believe. Believe in Christ Jesus. Then believe that he has empowered you to be a scattered servant, to be a disciple, to make disciples, to be an ambassador for him. His forgiveness is available to you. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness. And set your heart free to go and be what he wants you to be. And the way you live your life will bring glory to his name. And by bringing glory to his name, you will be fulfilling the purpose of which he made you to be. Shall we all stand?